We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Leading into the buy and during it, both Lamar Jackson and Roquan Smith have been asked about their contract situation. I got a great deal of uh, confidence in the um, gym and uh, knowing that he'll uh, get things to work out. Can the Ravens really afford both blue chip players? I'll break it all down and also give Ed Reed's perspective from the outside looking in. I'm Sarah Ellison, still riding solo as my partner Bobby Trossett is still in Europe. It's Friday, November 18th. And this is your Morning Ravens Vault. I've got a preview of Sunday's Ravens-Panthers game along with my game prediction. And finally, the Ravens coordinators made glowing remarks about Roquan Smith and, who would have guessed, Josh Oliver. I've got all that and more coming up. Thank you for waking up with the Morning Vault, where you get the most important Ravens news in just 15 minutes. Will Eric DeCosta and the Ravens front office sign both Lamar Jackson and Roquan Smith to long-term deals before next year? That's the question that I've been repeatedly asked during the downtime of this bye week. The two blue-chip players could represent the face of the Ravens franchise on offense and defense for the next five years. And that's an exciting future to imagine for Baltimore. Now, as I begin to break this down, let's first turn to the players themselves. They've each been individually asked about signing extensions leading up to and during the bye. The Keyshawn, J. Will, and Mac show asked Roquan first. Oh, man, uh, I'm sure a lot of people want to know that. But I'm thinking, uh, you know, I have a great deal of uh, confidence in um, Jim and uh, Norman Hill. get things to work out so I'm just more so like focused on uh learning this playbook right now for these first couple weeks and uh you know gelling with the guys and then when I when our time comes I'm excited to uh just be able to have a chance to uh sign back that that'll be that'll be amazing for me and I'm sure Lamar can say the same all right so Roquan seems to have an optimistic outlook he's putting trust in Eric DaCosta Now, Roquan is reportedly looking for top-of-the-market linebacker money, which is around $20 million per year. We remember the Ravens weren't willing to do that for C.J. Mosley a few years back. Will they now? Well, that's the decision. To either meet that demand, franchise tag him at $18 million plus per year, 
or let him walk for a potential third-round compensatory pick. All three options are certainly plausible. Personally, I don't think DaCosta would have given up a second and fifth round selection if he didn't plan on signing Roquan long term. And I'm sure EDC knew exactly what Roquan was seeking before he made that trade. But listen, if the Ravens win the Super Bowl this year, then there was no price too big to bring Roquan in. And that's even if he ends up being a half season rental. A Lombardi trophy and a comp pick would be more than enough to make that trade worth it. But in the end, I still do believe the plan is to lock up Roquan long term. Okay, so what about Lamar? Well, number eight was on the Rich Eisen show right before the bye. He was also right after, remember, when he picked up and signed that fan poster that read, Pay Him Now? Well, when he was talking to Rich, Lamar stayed consistent with what he's been saying this entire season that he's not talking about the contract, but Lamar did have this to offer. You know, folks see that and think that you're you're carrying with you maybe a chip on your shoulder against the team and that potentially this could be a final run for you. Are you going through your business with that mindset this year, Lamar? Not being honest, no, I wasn't. Uh, the sign just happened to fall. You know, mm-hmm. I seen it. I seen the sign fall, so I was just picking it up. Like, give it to him. I thought somebody was just dropping the sign. I seen it. I just started laughing. And I just signed it for a fan, so, so it I wasn't thinking nothing. It, it could have just said, go Ravens, and they would have, they, you'd have done the same thing, is what you're saying. No Pretty doubt. Much. No doubt. Fans in Baltimore, i got to be honest with you, I think they're freaking out a little bit. That you're, you're, you're going year to year, and that you and the Ravens might not see eye to eye. Did you ever have a conversation with Steve Bashotti, the famed conversation Steve had with, uh, with Joe Flacco, the guy who was there when you got drafted, where you said, hey, look, you know, go in the Super Bowl and, and, and tell me to put the bag on the table and I'll do that. Did you have a conversation with the owner of the Ravens on that front at all? No, no, no I haven't. No, I haven't. <laughs> you know, I, 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 did, I did pretty much a lot, you know, for my first couple of years mm-hmm. to even gotta see all that. So I thought it was interesting that Bashadi didn't go to Lamar and say, win the Super Bowl and I'll play, like he essentially did with Flacco. As Lamar said, he's already done plenty to prove he deserves a big check. And as great as Joe was, he never carried the team on his back like Lamar's done. So, hey, my guess is that Bashadi is totally sold on Lamar. But what he's not sold on is fully guaranteed money. That's what this whole thing centers around. Guaranteed money. That's it. The rest is just details. And we know that. Because Lamar was reportedly offered the highest average dollars per year and the highest guaranteed other than Watson. My feeling is that had the Ravens made that offer before the Deshaun Watson deal, maybe this whole thing would have already been wrapped up by now. But that guaranteed contract to Watson put a wrench in everything. And we can't forget this quote from Bashadi when the Browns gave Deshaun Watson that 230 fully guaranteed money. Quote, I don't know that he should have been the first guy to get a fully guaranteed contract. To me, that's something that is groundbreaking, and it'll make negotiations harder with others. Close quote. So why is Bashadi, and most NFL owners, by the way, against these fully guaranteed contracts? Well, NFL Network's Tom Pelissero put that whole deal into perspective and what fully guaranteed money requires of owners. No one had ever done a deal like that. It upended the entire economics of the NFL. 
there's something called the funding rule where if you fully guarantee a contract the following January or February whatever it is you got to put all that money in escrow if there's one thing billionaires don't like it's having money not working for them just (laughs) sitting there doing nothing all right so here's the thing I'm fairly confident Lamar will not back off his fully guaranteed demands I'm also fairly confident that Bashadi doesn't want to give in. But I'm wondering if Bashadi might. There's a part of me that says he won't. But there's another part of me that thinks that a Super Bowl win could change his mind. I, I honestly just don't know. But here's what I do know. Number one, I know that Eric DaCosta went through plans A, B, C, D, etc. before making this Roquan trade. There's a strategy already in place. Number two. I know that Lamar remains the top priority to sign over anybody else, and that includes Roquan. Number three, I know that this isn't a binary choice. This is not Roquan or Lamar. It's not that type of situation. It won't be easy to fit $20 million a year for Roquan and at least $50 million, if not $55 million, for Lamar. But the Ravens could do it. So it's not a binary choice. Lamar wasn't extended before Roquan got here. And if he isn't extended going forward, it won't be because Roquan is here. As I said, it'd be because of guaranteed money. And finally, number four, I agree with Ed Reed that you can't fault either side for handling their business. It's easy to talk about another man's money. But at the end of the day, it's their money. Here's Ed. What do you got to do to prove it to that franchise? I honestly don't think he has to do anything to prove it to that franchise. You know, you got to understand the franchise you're dealing with and where they're at. Baltimore is not known for paying nobody like that, right? Unless you certain guys. Baltimore is a business-operated organization, man. You can't fault them for that. Like, they understand who they are and where they are in the market of football in the NFL. Their market's not big. You can't tell Lamar he's not Lamar doing what he's doing. I think he's doing the right thing, man. I mean, at the end of the day, you gotta, you gotta, you have to control your business as well. And I think Lamar's controlling his business. Okay, so those are the four things that I know. From there, it's anyone's guessing game as to what happens. To me, guessing right now, a likely scenario would be for the Ravens to work on a deal with Roquan during this season since conversations have already paused with Lamar. So lock Roquan in and then tag Lamar to work on a deal all offseason again. If it doesn't work out by next fall, then he'll count in the range of 44 to $47 million against the cap in 2023. The Ravens currently are projected to have around $44 million with options to make more room. And after that, hey, we start this thing all over again next season. But if Lamar or Baltimore doesn't want to live life on a tag, they could jointly agree to seek a blockbuster trade with a team that would fully guarantee Lamar money. And honestly, I'm I'm very curious to see how many owners would be willing to do that. Plus, that team would need to give Baltimore a boatload of first round value. I mean like 5,000 JJ points worth of draft value. But like I said, EDC has plans A through Z. And I'd be willing to bet that plan A has been carefully crafted to enable this team to keep both star players in place for a five-year run together. Lamar is the leader of the offense and Roquan is the leader of the defense. That sounds like a winning future for Baltimore. 
Coming up next, my preview of Ravens-Panthers and my game prediction and score. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, so I'm so happy to say that this is officially the last Vault episode that I will do without Bobby as he travels back to Charm City on Saturday. So instead of doing a long-form preview of Ravens-Panthers on my own for an hour, I will use the second half of this morning's Vault to look forward to the game. So let's start with the state of the Panthers. All right, this team is going through a mini-rebuild right now, and their fans are already looking forward to the offseason. They fired their head coach, Matt Rule, in Week 5 and traded away one of their top offensive weapons in running back Christian McCaffrey just before the deadline. By virtue of a weak NFC South where nobody has a winning record, Carolina has kept its playoff hopes alive with just a 3-5 and five record, and all three of their wins have come in the division. So they're clawing to keep those playoff hopes alive, but it's already on life support, and the Ravens can and should make it worse. As for the story of the week, we know it's the surprising news of the change at quarterback for the Panthers with starter P.J. Walker injuring his ankle. So by virtue of the injury to Walker, Mayfield has already recovered, and so he will start for the first time since week five. And that means he and Lamar Jackson will be featured once again as two first-round QBs from the 2018 class. And that right there is the major key to the game, quarterback play. Without consistent play at quarterback, Carolina's offense has been stuck in neutral. It ranks as number 30 overall. Lamar, meanwhile, is playing at a super high level, some might say an MVP level, and that right there gives Baltimore a huge advantage in this game. Outside of the quarterback position, I've got two matchups to watch. First, Marlon Humphrey versus DJ Moore. The Maryland alum receiver leads the Panthers in receiving yards with 500. And by the way, speaking of Moore, some fans are still bitter that the Ravens never drafted him. All right, the second matchup to watch is Derek Brown versus Tyler Linderbaum. The six foot five, 320 pound defensive tackle has been a monster in the middle of the defensive line for the Panthers. Now, Linderbaum is off to a great start his rookie year. He's even ranked as the top run blocker among all NFL centers, according to ESPN. But Linderbaum has had a few troubles with the bigger defensive tackles, including, remember, back in week one with Quinnen Williams. 
But that was Linderbaum's first game in the NFL after missing time in training camp in the preseason due to injury. He's come a long way since then, and we'll get another test to see how far he's come on Sunday. As for injuries, hey, the Ravens are pretty healthy. The only player on the 53-man roster to miss practice so far this week is rookie cornerback Jalen Armour-Davis. Meanwhile, the Panthers, they're a bit banged up. Outside of missing their starting quarterback, seven players didn't practice Thursday due to injury. And that doesn't even count safety Jeremy Chin, who is working his way back from injured reserve, or starting cornerback Donta Jackson, who just went on injured reserve with a season-ending Achilles. So on to my prediction for the game. Well, considering the Panthers are in a mini-rebuild with an interim head coach and an interim starting quarterback, and considering they're banged up and they're 0-4 on the road, yeah, I don't expect too much from them. Meanwhile, the Ravens are healthy and are 11-3 and coming off the bye in the John Harbaugh era, and they're playing at home, and they're playing well. Now, you never underestimate an opponent, but not only should the Ravens win, but they should dominate. My prediction is 27-17, Baltimore. And before I fly, some other quick news items you need to know, beginning with defensive coordinator Mike McDonald talking about how quickly Roquan Smith picked up the defense. I wasn't surprised about how, how well he acclimated. I mean, he picked up the whole playbook in like two days. Uh, how much comfort he has from this week, from last week, honestly, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's about the same. There's a couple things in coverage-wise that we played a little bit different than he had, you know, in Chicago, more in like the, the Fangio days. Um, but, you know, that's a piece of cake for him. It's easy for him. Also, many have asked, what has happened to Nick Boyle and his playing time? Well, it sounds like Josh Oliver had a big part of that. Here's offensive coordinator Greg Roman. I, I just, first of all, I got to say that Josh just flat out won a job. He won out. He won a roster spot in training camp. Uh, it was definitely not for sure a thing, and he just won it. And, 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 you know, for him to not be on the team for us would have been ridiculous with how he was improving. As far as his blocking, it is so much improved from a year ago, probably as much as any player I've ever worked with uh, over one year's time. And uh, it's credit to him. So uh, I definitely think if you're looking, you know, teams that are getting ready to play us around the league, they're probably – I can envision them watching us and, and looking at him saying, holy cow, who is this guy? And then they start shuffling through their papers. Thank you for listening to the Morning Ravens Vault. We created our show to keep you plugged into all things Ravens. So if you love our content, please tap the follow button and share it with a friend. You can also catch us on YouTube by searching Ravens Vault Podcast. And if you have any comments, questions, or if you'd be interested in advertising with us, we can also be reached by email via Baltimore Ravens Vault at gmail.com. That's all the time I've got today, but the vault will be back with Bobby and me together Sunday after the Ravens game against Carolina, and we'll be back with the Ravens news you need to know. <laughs>